Amen, amen, amen. Just want to welcome everyone here today. Um, uh, we ask everyone just to start making your way to these seats and we'll get started this morning. Uh, we got a few announcements we want to get started. Again, we're still in phase three of reopening, so we ask everyone to use hand sanitizer and uh, still practicing the social distancing. Uh, quick uh, things, we ask that you stay up to date with us on Facebook uh, for anything that's going on. First of all, I want to thank God that we did not get hit by this latest hurricane. Um, do y'all know that Louisiana was in six cones for storms this year, and we really didn't get hit by one? And uh, I'd say, you know, God is good, but even if all six of them hit us, God would still be good, right? Amen. But uh, we just want to thank God, and we pray again for all those areas affected uh, by that hurricane. But uh, stay up to date. Uh, add face, uh, Christian Fellowship Church uh, Facebook uh, to your repertoire of computerized things. We, we put updates um, on things for different storms and, and things. Uh, also, uh, we have a CFC app that you can download to your phone. The easiest way to do that is go to the church website, and there's a link from there you could uh, click on, and it'll set up everything for you. Uh, we also have a YouTube page that you could follow. Uh, again, that's not announcements. That's just to watch uh, sermons. And then on our website, you could uh, uh, watch the sermons and give also on that. Uh, also, just want to remind you that if you have children ages 6 to 11, new generations will be uh, streaming their uh, morning service this morning uh, online tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, they are having, again, uh, all our uh, kids' things are, are back online. Uh, we are having uh, Wednesday evening again. Uh, w last week was supposed to be our first Wednesday evening service uh, since I think it was March 11th. But Tuesday, it looked like we were going to possibly be getting a Category 4 or 5 hurricane, so we made the decision, well, we're going to board up the church in case on Thursdays we had to evacuate. So uh, thank God we didn't have to evacuate any things like that, but we will be having a, a service again starting this Wednesday night. Uh, and, uh, adults will have prayer revival, which we're going to be having in here that we'll be praying again. Uh, they have Kids Club, which is ages 3 through 11, and a youth, which is ages 12 through 19. Uh, also, we just want to wish anyone ha having a birthday this week a happy birthday. If you're having a birthday between now and next week, raise your hand. Mr. Kevin Bankston's having a birthday. All right. You, you too, Brother Tommy? Who's that? Your mom's birthday? Well, tell her happy birthday. I want to take this time to welcome Kevin to the 50s club, the half century club. He finally made it. Amen. He's been working over 50 years to accomplish this, and he's finally done it. Anyone else? All right, I just want to uh, say happy birthday to anyone online watching uh, uh, if you're having a birthday. What about anniversaries? Anyone have an anniversary between now and next Sunday? No one? All right, if online you are, we want to say happy anniversary to you. Uh, what we're going to do now is pick up our tithes and offerings, and uh, I just want to give you a, a little bit of information on how you could give today if you're watching online and you're not uh, able to make it out. You could go to welcometocfc.com. That's the church website. You could give from there. You could send it through the post office at post office box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana. 70373, or you could drop it off at the office from Monday through Wednesday from 9 to 3. Uh, we'll be here to collect it. So if you want, let's just uh, 
stand to our feet for a moment as we read the scripture this morning for our offerings. Amen. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 says, Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, he's speaking of the tithe, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will be uh, needed to be made. Then Romans 4, 20, verses 21. This, this, this would preach right here, just these verses here. I need you to understand that uh, what it's talking about here is speaking of Father Abraham. Abraham and uh, was, it says that actually in the verse before that his body was good as dead. And his wife's womb was closed because of her age. Abraham was like 100 years old. And God had promised earlier in their life that they would have a child. And although they got older and never had a child, they kept their faith in God. And, and uh, uh, God finally blessed them with a child. And this is what it says in verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding uh, the promise of God. Because he got older, Sarah's womb said was as, as also dead, that God, they did not look at. Now, like, let me share something with you here. You see, the promise that Abraham had was from God that they would have a child. That was a specific promise to them. And I always say that you need to understand that uh, biblical principles... <coughs> carry through. Whatever God speaks to you, gives you a promise, it'll, it'll be there. God did not promise everyone that when you're going to be a hundred years old, all of a sudden your wife's getting pregnant. You know, that I could send the nursing homes into uh, panic right now. They're going to be uh, Salafush nursing home and nursery, you know, <laughs> things. So we understand God's promises, what they are. God had promised them, and although it took a long time, how many of you know sometimes it takes longer than we like for God to move? How many of you would agree 2020 has been a little bit longer than we'd like it to be so far, right, yeah, going through things? So it says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Although everything in their life, their, their physical bodies seemed impossible, God is able. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen. So take your offering, hold it in your right hand. And repeat after me. Say, as I give in today's offering, I give with a heart of faith. I give that which I already have set aside for the Lord, my tithe and my offerings. I give believing that God will use my gifts for his purposes and that God will enlarge my faith to become a pipeline for God's provisions. Use me, Lord. Pour through me. Let your abundance flow through me. In Jesus' name we pray. And what we're going to do, as Sister Alyssa plays on the keyboard, we'll ask, just come up down each aisle and place your offering in uh, one of these three baskets in the front there. Amen.
give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. We're going to have our call to worship. And before we begin, how many of you know the Bible says to make a joyful noise to the Lord? Amen. So we're going to make a joyful noise to him. And I want to apologize to the worship team. <laughs> I played some new music uh, filling in this weekend. So if you hear some lemons, you know, some sour notes, it's me. It's none of them. They're doing a great job. <laughs> so, <laughs> Amen. But that's why I say we're going to make a joyful noise. So I'm going to put Amen. that to the test today. Amen. So Psalms uh, 34 verses 1 through 4 says this, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. I will boast of all his kindness to me. Let all who, uh, let all who are discouraged take heart. Let us praise the Lord together and exalt his name. For I cried to him and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Father, we just come to you today as we get ready to worship, Father God. I just pray, Father God, that your spirit be in this place right now, Father. Father, for all those that are watching online, Father God, today or in the future, I just pray that you would touch their hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray that you bring renewing and refreshing, Father God, uh, to us, uh, to spirit, soul, and body, Father. Father, as we just come here to lift up your name, Father, we thank you also, Father God, that we were spared all six storms this year from damage and things, and we lift up, Father, those people who have, um, especially in west, southwest Louisiana, Father God, who has gone through all those things, Father. I just pray that you touch them, Father God, uh, and bring healing to their life, that you encourage them, Father God, as, as uh, horrible things have taken place in, in their life right now, Father, but that they keep their eye upon you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone says, Amen. Let's put our hands together as we worship. Amen. Are we ready this morning? Amen. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus.
love you this morning. take your seats and as they turn on the lights and want to dismiss the children three four and five to their uh, class if you would uh, get out your Bibles and your notes this morning you will need your Bible to, I do have everything up on the screen but I don't have everything on your paper um, yet I'm going to be talking about this morning and uh, I, I am one that believes in marking in your Bible I believe in highlighting, circling, writing down notes, and everything else uh, for your Bible. Now, I would not write a recipe, you know, uh, how to make the creamiest macaroni and cheese. I would not write stuff like that. But write, writing things in the Word of God to help you with notes and things. And this uh, message is entitled, Wait on the Lord. And I'm hoping to get through with the notes I have today. Uh, for today, but this is part one. Uh, as I was uh, beginning to study on this and things, um, there's just no way I could get through everything today, and I really don't think I'm getting through these notes today. But let, let's just get ready to uh, begin in prayer this morning. Father, we just come to you right now. Father, I just lift up each and every person in the sound of my voice right now, Father God. I just pray, Father God, that we could be renewed and refreshed, Father God, by your spirit today. Father God, that we're reminded of all the promises of God, Father. And I just pray also, Father God, that you would uh, take the veil from everyone's eyes, Father God, that we may see you better, Father. We know the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. 
Father God, and I just pray that everyone could see clearly here the truth of the Spirit this morning, Father. Father, I pray for each and every person's ears that they be open to hear the things of the Spirit. Satan, we come against you today. Anything you try and uh, do to hinder this service, the blood of Jesus is against you this morning. Father, I pray that you touch our minds, that we could comprehend your word this morning and understand your word this morning. And Father, most of all, prepare our hearts to receive your word this morning and bring change in each and every one of our lives. And everyone says, Amen, Amen. All right, so I've decided not to try and rush through this. Usually I have two pages, two and a half pages of notes uh, on Sunday morning, and I go along with that, and I'm at five pages of notes uh, this morning. Uh, just on this part, and, uh, and I've added stuff since uh, that. So uh, we're going to, as long as this message takes as many weekends as it is, I'm going to try to find, if I need to stop, uh, I kind of got three stopping points in my notes right now that we could pick up easily on the following week. So, um, But this message is entitled, Wait on the Lord. And um, I guess the best way to describe it is... Uh, The, it's really from the book of Ruth is where it began, the first uh, seven uh, verses in the book of Ruth. And let me give you kind of where we're going with this, and, and we'll get to our notes in a second. But Ruth, as we know, is a, is a story of a pagan girl who married into uh, Naomi's family and became part of the covenant relationship with God. She, although she was a pagan, she made her way with Naomi back to the promised land and became part of that family. But that's not what we're talking about really here. We're, we're, uh, we're going to be just focusing basically on the first seven verses of Ruth, which is a tragic story of when someone did not w- wait on God. And he chose not to stay where God had called him, where God had placed him. How many of you know the promised land is, is the place God wants you to be in, in that thing? And we see that the Israelites were in the promised land, and he was in the promised land. But as, as we study through this, we'll see that the Israelites had become disobedient to God. And how many of you know that God disciplines his children? And when you become disobedient, it caused the famine to come into the land. And Naomi and her family decided to leave the promised land instead of waiting on God and turning to God and decided to leave the promised land and move to Moab and the tragedy happened in their family. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today, the next week or two, uh, how long it takes, is that if we don't wait on God and be rooted in God, the enemy just wants to pluck you out and destroy you. The enemy wants to pluck you out and destroy you. The enemy does not want you where God wants you to be. He comes in and he tries to tempt you and tries to bring you and bring all kind of things to entice your life to get you away from where God has intended uh, for your life. So let's look at our notes here. Psalms 27, 13 through 14 says this. I... Remain. I want you to circle that word remain because this is kind of our focus. I remain. We need to stay confident of this. 
He says, I remain, no matter what the world throws my way, no matter what I'm going through, I need to remain in him and to hang on to his promises. It goes perfect with what we're talking about Abraham and Sarah this morning in the offering, that although they were 100 years old, they remained faithful in God and trusted God that he fi- he'd finally done what he did uh, for them. He says, I remain confident of this, that I will see. Now, I want you to circle that too, that I will see. Notice it doesn't say that, that I see. If it would say I see means it's already existence. God, the promise is already here. The promise is already fulfilled. He's saying I am confident and I'm not going to be shaken in any way. I'm going to remain because I know I, I am believing in faith that I will see what I don't see right now. He says it may not be evident now, but I, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He says, verse 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and do what again? Wait for the Lord. So as, as this is kind of a core scripture that we're going to be, everything kind of ties back into, is that I need to remain and not be moved by circumstances and different things in life. I have to remain in the Lord. I have to wait on the Lord. And although things aren't going the way I want them to right now, I have to be faithful and remain. I talked about um, on Facebook earlier this week when I was studying this thing. I had mentioned that I had put a big picture of an oak tree. And how many of you know that an oak tree is one of the strongest trees out there? You know, if a hurricane passes through, usually it's the oak trees that are standing, and that's about it left. You know, when, when everything gets wiped out, it's very strong. But how many of you know that every oak tree starts out as just a little acorn? that needs to be, have its roots in the ground and not be moved and it stays there and it waits and while it waits as every storm comes it gets stronger and stronger as it builds and grows. And that's what I had talked about that just a word of encouragement no matter what this world throws your way no matter what 2020 uh, serves us up uh, Thinking of 2020, uh, this week I was talking to Sister Wendy, we're ordering those calendars uh, that we always give out calendars of the next year. Uh, we ordered them and I told her, I said, as a joke, I said, ask the lady at the calendar company if there's some kind of uh, return policy that if 2021 never shows up, can we get some money back on them? You know, because <laughs> the way 2020 is going, we, we don't know if we're making it to 2021. But we, we, we understand that no matter... It, how many curveballs life throws your way? I need to remain, like this scripture says. I need to remain and wait. Because all the enemy wants you to do is to take off and go somewhere else with that, God, that God has never intended you to be. God, he wants to wreck the plan for your life. So, again, how does that, that oak tree grow? It stays, it remains planted and rooted in the ground. And it blossoms into a huge tree. And as we grow as Christians, you see, that's part of it. The enemy wants to come uh, to steal, to kill, and destroy. He doesn't like that you became a Christian. He doesn't like when someone accepts the Lord. And he doesn't just say, okay, well, I quit. I'm not going to mess with you anymore. I'm not going to try to get you to fail and to backslide. I'm not going to do you anything. How many of you know that's baloney? He's got, he may come at you harder than he ever did before. 
So we need to understand that those storms in life will come our way. So I want to just uh, read, uh, if you have your Bibles, open it to uh, Mark chapter 4. I want to just talk about this a little bit more. Like I said, uh, I was thinking about trying to, I, I cut so many things out to try and get part of this message today. And then I said, you know what, I'm, I, I don't want to just reference it. We're going to have it on the screen. And this is what I want you to see. Jesus talks about four seeds, and I'm not going to stay on this long, but he talks about seeds that are planted, the word of God. And I always find it interesting that he talks about four different types that happens, and three out of the four never last. You know, it's like how, out of all the acorns that fall out of a tree, how many of them become a tree? Very few. But do you know each acorn has the same potential? It's only the one that gets rooted in the ground and never gets pulled out in a way that grows into an acorn. But every acorn has the ability, every acorn has the DNA of a giant oak tree inside of it that it could become. But the enemy comes in. And, and notice what he says here. It'll be up on the screen. He says, Then Jesus said to them, and this is, he's explaining the parable to his disciples because they didn't quite get it when he, when he was, uh, just had mentioned. He says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So verse 14, he says, The former sows the word. Some people, and this, this is the parable of the sower that falls along the, the, the paths and things. He says, some people are like a seed that uh, along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, notice that next word. What is it? Satan, circle that in your Bible, Satan. So one of the things that destroys people and keeps them from reaching their potential is what? Satan. He, he comes against you. He says Satan comes and he, he does what? Takes it away. In other words, he steals. Doesn't the scripture say that Satan comes only but to steal, to kill and destroy? You see, he comes steal that word that your roots never get planted and you never grow. And it says... Uh, let me go on here. He says he comes and takes it away, takes away the word that was sown in them. Now, so that, that's one that doesn't make it. Here's another acorn. Others like uh, the seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once they receive it with what? Joy. Now, I want you to, to know, I always talk about this, but emotions is not a spiritual change in your life. You know, uh, sometimes I, you hear people, oh, this service was so great, it was so emotional, okay, and what, did it, what was the word? I don't know. But I was pumped up. Woo, I got excited. And sometimes people hear the word of God, and they receive it with joy, but guess what? They have no roots. Okay, and, and it's easily destroyed. When, it, when, it's, uh, when, it, when I make a decision to God out of emotion rather than a real heartfelt, life-changing decision, right? You know, we, we, make, we make the... Uh, how many of you, like me, you know, it's almost every other day you start in a new diet? You, you know, in the morning, it, your emotions are... I'm, and I'm pumped. But I, how long does it last? Not long. 
Because that decision's made out of an emotion, like, ooh, we're going to knock it out today. <laughs> right? And then Satan brings some cookies and all kind of stuff in your house. <laughs> so it says, it says, verse 17, they hear it with joy, but since they have what? No root. So if it doesn't have any root, which means what happens? It's not connected to the ground, so a, just even a wind could come by and blow it away from where it is. And things. So it says it has no root, and they last, what? Only a short time. In other words, you received it with joy, you're, you're ser- into serving God, but before you know it, you're back to the old life. You're back to the old way, like nothing's ever changed. When trouble and persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away because they have no roots. So the first thing we see, Satan, uh, Satan attacks you. The second one is because a person has no root. They don't get grounded and rooted. Uh, third, still others are like seeds sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the what? Worries of this life, circle it, the worries of this life and the deceit of wealth, of wealth, deceitfulness of wealth, the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money, chasing after things, and the desires of other things. Remember when uh, a few weeks ago I done a message on being learning to be content, and we talked about the desires, desiring other things, right? God had Adam and Eve in the garden, and they desired gaining wisdom, and what that brought them. See, desiring the other things in this world, all these other things, the worries of life, it says, they come and choke it and make it unfruitful. And then finally it says, uh, the, the other seed is sown on good soil. The people hear the word, they accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. So we understand that one out of four seem to drift away. So we, we understand that it's very easy, probably easier to drift away from God than to drift to Him. According to Jesus' parable, He says three quarters will fall away. Three quarters will hear it, but three quarters will go in the wrong direction eventually. So let, let's look at this. On we'll, We're back to your notes now. Isaiah 14, 12. And again, we're focusing on Ruth 1 through 7, but I'm using the whole Bible to teach you the points in this. And actually, Ruth, we're only going to be actually speaking on the very first part of verse 1. But I got five pages of notes on that first part. <laughs> Amen. So notice what it says. Again, I, and we're talking about the falling away and, and the things of that, not, not being rooted in God's Word, that we don't wait on the Lord, that we jump after and go after other things, not being content in all things. And notice, what I want to show you in Isaiah fourteen twelve. this is where the name Lucifer comes from, from Satan. And I kind of want to explain to you. It says, how you have fallen from heaven. He's speaking about Lucifer, Satan. He, and it's called morning star, son of the dawn. Now, this is kind of referring to him before he had fallen. How many of you know it's that the Bible says that he was the most beautiful of all the God's creations and angels? And it says, oh, how you have fallen, morning star. 
Now, the Hebrew word for, that they get morning star out of uh, actually means morning star, or I found this interesting, it also means light bringing, that it brings light. Now, and he's also referred to as son of the dawn. What is the dawn? The morning when light comes. It's like something new, a new day, a new opportunity. You know, the old opportunity was yesterday. Here's a new opportunity. And that, that uh, word for, in the Hebrew actually translates into Latin, which brings to the word Lucifer. That's where the word Lucifer comes from, meaning morning star or bringing light. And this is what I want you to understand. He has fallen. So one of the things he does is he comes to your life, and he tries to make something look like a bright opportunity that is the best thing for your life that you need to take it. Look, look on, your, on your notes in the Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. Here it says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as what? An angel of light. So what does he do? He comes and he knows what God wants for you, but he brings you what seems to be, he's disguising himself, masquerading himself as an angel of light, a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's coming to kill, steal, and destroy you, but he's offering you something that makes you think is the best thing for you, but it's actually the worst thing for you. Right? Wouldn't it be nice if he just came up to you and everything he offered you was, oh, I'm offering you death and gloom. Oh, well, that's an easy choice. I'm not going to choose that. Right? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be much easier if it seemed like we could see the end results? Right? Back to the garden. What, what, what did he do with Adam and Eve? They, they knew they weren't supposed to eat that, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But how did he present that tree to them? Like light, it was something good. Pleasing to the eye. It wasn't like it was a rotten thing. Good for food. The nourishment of the flesh. And we're going to talk about that here a little later this morning. Is we have to realize that sometimes where our flesh is weak. And when our flesh is weak. That we'll make choices that we should not make to satisfy the flesh. You see... Uh, that's what Naomi and her family did was that they were in the, in the promised land where God had them to be, but they left the promised land because there was a famine in the land. There wasn't enough food, so they made a bad choice to went somewhere else and tragedy strikes when you make that wrong choice. So also with Adam and Eve in the garden. So it was pleasing to the eye, it was good for food, and it was desirable for gaining wisdom. Wow, it was, look at this new beginning. It's going to be better than it is now. But we know the rest of the story. You see, he'll often come and give you this glimpse that is going to, this is better. You need this in your life. Where it's only going to destroy you. And no rhyme reason would make it look any different. Because he comes... As a, that he's bringing light. He comes as, as an angel of light, like he's there to help you, but all he's there for is to destroy and steal and kill you. 
again, I'm going to read the first part of uh, Ruth right now, Ruth 1 through 7. <laughs> it says that's what we're talking about. And then we're going to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get caught up in preaching in this part. I'm just reading quickly. How many of you believe that? Um, I'm trying, Jess, I promise. But look at on your papers, Ruth 1 through 7. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And that's all I'm preaching on today. And I don't know if I'm finishing that part. That, that's what we're going to be talking about. So I don't know how long it's going to take to get through the rest of it. But it says, so there was a famine in the land, a famine in the promised land. Again, you need to understand that the Israelites had done wrong in God's eyes, all these things. So famine came in on the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife, who is Naomi, and two sons went to live uh, for a while in the country of Moab. And this is going to be important. We're going to talk about Moab and, uh, again, how it all kind of ties together. The man's name was Amalek. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of the two sons were uh, Malon and Kilon. Uh, they, were, uh, they were Euphrates from Bethlehem, Judah. Okay, and they went to Moab to live there. Why they went there? Because there was a famine in the land. But they were in the promised land of God. He says, now Amalek, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. The married, uh, they married, the two sons of Moabite, married two Moabite women. One named Oprah, not Winfrey, and the other uh, Ruth. Uh, after they had lived there about ten years... Both Malon and Kilon, her two sons, also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab, now this, I don't want to start. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, and I can't let you get out of this part. You see, she's in Moab. They left and didn't wait on the Lord. They thought something would be better for them. But then when they're in Moab, she loses her husband and her two children. But not waiting on God. But when she's in there, she realizes God's provided for His people. What happened? She did not remain there and they did not wait on God. You see, if they would have remained and waited on God, they would all still be alive. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-laws, uh, she left that place where uh, she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Okay? And again, we're, that's just what we're going to cover the rest of the uh, next week or, or so, however long it takes. But what we're talking about here again, the, the book of Ruth is about... More about a pagan girl who came to be a part of God's covenant uh, people of Israel. But the, we're going to focus on a very sad part of verses 1 through 7. When a man chooses to walk away with his family from the Lord and God's plans for his life. And that decision resulted in terrible tragedy for his family. When you walk away from God, when you backslide from God, it carries a lot of responsibility and consequences in your life. That you're, If you knew ahead of time, you probably would say, no, I don't want to pay that price. 
So, we're going to jump ahead a little here on Ruth chapter 1, verse 19 through 22. And again, we're going to focus on verses 1 through 7. But I want you to see what Naomi says uh, uh, when she's going back to the promised land. So the two women, this Naomi and Ruth at this time, went until they came to Bethlehem, going back to the promised land. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. They, remember, they had been gone for over 10 years. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? But listen to Naomi's response. Don't call me Naomi. You see, that name Naomi means pleasant. She says, Don't call me Naomi anymore. Because my life is far from pleasant. And then it says this. She says, Call me Mara, which means bitter. You see, she, when she left the promised land, she left pleasant. But her life turned bitter. When you're serving God, and that's the sad part, so many people come to God because their life's falling apart. That's basically because we, where we all did. We, we, there's something missing. We didn't, we didn't come to the Lord because life was so good and we just didn't know what else to do with ourselves. Right? Most of our personal testimonies would be, I, I had a, an issue going on in my life and God helped me and God delivered me and I seen the need for salvation. I needed, I seen that need. But Naomi saying, I left pleasant, but I turn, it turned me bitter. And, it, and even there she comes back and then she says this, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Now notice verse 21. There's two things I want you to get here. Verse 21, what's the first three words in it? Say it. I went away. Stop there. Circle that. I went away. Do you see what she's admitting? God didn't send me. I chose to leave. See, the Bible says God will never leave you or forsake you, but people leave God. People forsake God. She says, I went away, and even when I went away, my name was pleasant. And she says, I went away full. But some circumstances were going on in the land that made us decide, instead of waiting on God to come to the aid of His people, we, we, the enemy came in and showed us a light that it looked like it would be better over there. It says, the, I went away full, but I love this next part. It says, but the Lord has brought me back. Circle that. Now, don't, don't focus on the empty. He says, the Lord brought me back empty. Again, she went away pleasant. She went away full. And again, she went away full. But that's what I told you. There's a cost to backsliding. There's a cost to going back in the world. She went away full, but came back empty. But notice how she came back. She says, I went away, but who brought her back? Who? But the Lord brought me back. You want me to tell you why she went back? Because life had got so miserable that she says it's better back in the house of the Lord. See, if she would have went to Moab and God would have just let everything be a blessing, she never would have went back. If everything would have worked out perfect, they never would have went back. Remember, I'd, I'd done the... Uh, 
message on um, Jonah. How Jonah was running from the Lord, and what did the Lord do? He sent the storm. And because if God never had sent the storm into Jonah's life, when Jonah was rebelling and running away from God, Jonah never would have answered the call of God again. So sometimes when we backslide, when we get away from God, God will discipline His children. He's going to allow things and bring things in your life that are designed to bring you back to Him. She says, I went away, we chose to walk away, but it's Him that brought me back. So verse 21 again says, I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned to Moab, uh, returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Again, the famine was over. If only they had chose to wait on the Lord in the beginning. Okay? I will remain. Right? What does that tell us on the top scripture on your page? I will remain confident of this. I will see. You see, they, when they were in, the, in, uh, in Bethlehem before, they did not, it was a famine. They did not see the harvest. But in Proverbs, it tells us, I will remain confident of this, that I will see. That's why we wait patiently on the Lord. We, we, the enemy is going to always come and try and get you to go away and take a shortcut. Let, let's get moving here. Where am I? So I want to just, just touch on this part. They're leaving the promised land. This is what we're going to be talked about now. I don't know how far I could get. Okay. I want you to understand Moab. They left the promised land for Moab. Moab was inhabited by people who worshipped pagan gods. In other words, they left the 12 tribes of Israel, they left the promised land and went to a place where they did not respect and worship God. How many of you know that's the world? Right? They're filled with unbelievers. That they decided, well, you know what? We're going to leave these believers that, that know God and we're going to leave and we're going to go put ourselves amongst unbelievers. Now, here's what's interesting. Well, I was starting this out, it just kind of blew my mind. When I started with the Moabites, their origins come from Genesis 19. And you could go read that. Uh, I'm not going to talk much about it here but Genesis 19 is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah now before we get to Sodom and Gomorrah let again I'm, I'm talking about and thinking about all the leavings of God and what does it bring Sodom and Gomorrah of the story is the story of Lot and his wife who remembers where Lot was before he was in Sodom and Gomorrah he was with Abraham Known as the father of faith. He's, a, he's an uncle. He's with, with, with Abraham. And he decides, I'm leaving. 
Abraham, you're serving God, everything's going good, but there's so much things I want to do, so many different things. And he leaves the presence of God, represented with Abraham and his family, and goes to live in the city where sin ran rampant, of Sodom and Gomorrah. In other words, he le- it's like a- going into a backslidden state. They left the- uh, Abraham's home and family and went live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, God sends an angel of the Lord down to uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and says, we're here to destroy it. He says, if the outcry against them is so bad, if it's true the way they are, he says, I'm going to totally destroy this place. Now, Abraham says, well, if there's ten righteous, this goes through those things, will you not destroy it? And I love it that it says, God will not destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. That gives us hope that no matter what this world goes through, you serve God and you say, and God's going to take care of you one way or the other. Amen. But as they're uh, finally deciding, and look, when you read it, it's, that's almost an X-rated version of the Bible right there, you know, with all different things that's going on. But they're finally leaving, you know, the angel of the Lord said, I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to spare your life, these things, y'all get out of there. But he says, when you leave, don't look back. Why would he tell them, don't look back? Because that don't look back means, you know what? I don't know, first of all, how could you and your family stay in that environment? Because it will influence you. You hear me? You become like the people you surround yourself with. All right? That's a true statement. You will become like the people you surround yourself with. That reminds me, I've got to get new friends. No. <laughs> Larry's not here for me to pick on him. That's what I always tease him. <laughs> I, I tease little Larry. I say, Larry, boy, you're my good friend. But that reminds me, I need new friends. <laughs> but uh, thinking of, of Solomon and Gomorrah again, it says this, Genesis 19, 26. It'll be on your, on your screen in the paper. It says, but Lot's wife did what? Look back, and she became a pillar of salt. Now, I want you to think about this as, as a backslidden state. Because when you leave your old life, you are to leave it and never go back. Right? You accepted the Lord. You be, the old things have gone. The new has come. Everything, you are a new being in Christ. But as she's leaving, she was the only one that looked back. The reason I think she looked back is because her heart was never to leave. She just wanted to escape the destruction, but her heart was still there. Can I tell you, a lot of people hear a message of God and just want life insurance, fire insurance, but they never truly give their heart to the Lord? Romans 9 and 10 says this. This is on your paper. I added that this morning. But notice what it says. And and this is what I was thinking about. Romans 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, it's talking about salvation, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But verse 10 says, for it is with your what? Heart that you believe. You say it with your mouth, But God looks at the heart, right? 
Many people say many things, but that's not their, what's on their heart. Right? God looks at the heart, and God knows what's on the heart. And I believe God knew when she left that her heart was, wasn't with God. Her heart wasn't about serving God. Her heart was, I just don't want to be caught up in the mess. I just don't want to be killed in the destruction here. I'm going to go with you, but my heart is still back there. You see, you could come to church 50 times a week, but if your heart is not into serving the Lord and your heart isn't right with the Lord, when the judgment day comes, what happened to her? She was destroyed. She thought she was escaping. She thought, well, I'm going to be in the right place now. You see, the church itself, the building doesn't save you. It's what's in your heart. Have you given your heart to God? You see, God's the only one that knows that. Now, again, here is the, how the world will influence in, uh, different things in your life. We, we find a lot, and we're still trying to... I'm, I'm giving you the history of where Moab comes from. Okay? It's tied back to this when... A lot in his daughters leave, two daughters leave, uh, his wife's killed, and they find themselves in a cave, living in a cave, Lot and his two daughters. Now, his two daughters, I think because of their perversion of what they've seen and lived in before, said that they start talking to each other, and they say, well, how will our family continue? It's just us and our father. So you know what bright plan they came out with? Brilliant. Woo! They said, we're going to get our father lot drunk. And we will secretly have sex with our father, get pregnant, and carry on our family. Brilliant plan. Sounds kind of perverted, don't it? Do you know stuff like that's in your Bible? So it says that they got lot drunk. That's why it says don't get drunk on wine. You're going to have some bad things start happening. And it says that the first daughter had sex with him that first night. Lot was unaware of it. So the second daughter said, that worked for you, so it's going to work for me. Next night they get him drunk again. And the same thing happens. One of the children was moved. One of the children is Moab. From it, so it has its roots back to Sodom and Gomorrah and all those things of the looking back and being back in the world. And here we have Naomi's family who is in the promised land and they decide to go to Moab. Now, the Moabites, okay, Moab, the Moabites, the people... Listen to what they're known for. So we're leaving God's country, and this is where we're going. Because there's no food, this is where we're going. They're going to an area that is known for lawlessness, immorality, and brutal violence. Do you know the Moabites were ones that were trying to help destroy the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert for 40 years, the Moabites were some of those tribes that attacked and tried to destroy God's people. 
because they did not care anything about God or God's people. And they're saying, that's where we're going to live. We're going to leave the promised land and go to this place that is totally against God. They opposed, the Moabites opposed God and all his ways. This teaches us, on your page, I'll put this here. This teaches us that living in a backslidden condition carries devastating consequences, which we're going we're gonna to get into more next week. But this is what I want you to say. Uh, say to you that when we this was one of my stopping points so I'll stop here because it's 11 and when I say a stopping point that was just for today that has nothing to do with part 2 <laughs> is that if we're not careful the enemy will come in your life because something's missing you're, it, something's going on and we're going to talk about three famines next week they talked about famines in the land and I was going to mentioned today that you got three blanks on your page talking about famines, things that you are lacking in your life. And if you're not careful, the enemy will come and it'll look like a bright, shiny light. Oh yeah, this is what you need. And he'll get you to move away from God. And at great price, it'll cost you. Right? Naomi lost her husband and two sons because they chose not to wait on the Lord. They chose not to remain in the promised land. They were drawn back into the world. To to the very tribe of people that is tied back to Sodom and Gomorrah and that looking back. I'm going to go ahead and stop here. Bring these papers next week because we're going to continue on this. Again, I I probably have an hour left of notes, so I don't want to keep on going. This is a good stopping point. Next week, we're going to talk about trouble in the land. All right, let's stand to our feet right now. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you have and you've kind of let yourself drift back into the world in a backslidden state or whatever you want to call it, I just want to give you that opportunity here today to say, you know what? I want to be back. God, I want you to bring me back to where the place I'm supposed to be. I want you to bring me back to the plan you have for my life. I want you to bring me back, Father God, and root me, Father God, that I can grow into the thing and person that you've created me to be. Father, that I won't be uh, uh, blown back and forth by the wind, Father God, but I could be steady, Father God, in your word and in my life. Not to be back and forth, but to live for you. Never to be enticed by the enemy. I want you to just ask the Lord, uh, saying this simple prayer, to invite uh, Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I admit I am in need of a Savior. I believe that you sent your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And I believe that he rose from the dead and defeated death and sin. I invite Christ to come into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my life from this day forward. Strengthen me to never waver, fall, or go back 
to that old life, that I never looked back as Lot's wife did and desire the things of the past, that you place in me a pure heart, a new heart, a heart that loves you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Um, hopefully, well, I don't care when we, how long it takes. <laughs> I was going to say hopefully we finish next week, but uh, we probably won't. So God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night for